0: You know, it's the the Apostle James who, in his book, illustrates to us the power that resides in the words we use. James does it in uh, three very vivid illustrations that get the point across. One, he talks about the fact that a forest fire fire starts with a small blaze. Many of us probably learned about the Great Chicago Fire, October 8th through 10th, 1871. This fire killed approximately 300 people, destroyed roughly 3.3 square miles of the city, including over 17,000 structures left more than 100,000 residents homeless. Of course, this fire is rumored, I don't know if it's ever been substantiated, to be started by Mrs. O'Leary's cow knocking over a lantern. Wikipedia said it might have been some guys gambling in a barn and knocking over a lantern, but whatever the case is, whether or not the cow did it or not, We do know, we realize, that on a hot drought, summer, or fall, as it might be, a small lantern can do that amount of damage. That's why back in the day when I was a kid, uh, before they had electricity and all this other stuff, we learned about Smokey the Bear, right? Well, you can prevent forest fires, so on. Of course, James not only talks about a fire, he talks about the fact that we can control horses. Kentucky Derby is famous for its thoroughbred horse racing. The average thoroughbred is about three years old. They are about 16 hands high, 64 inches, six feet, I guess. Four inches high, or five feet, I should say, sorry, they weigh about a thousand pounds at maturity. And these horses that are over five feet tall and a thousand pounds, James tells us that a jockey and the average weight and height of a jockey in a Kentucky derby is five foot two inches, and they weigh 108 to 113 pounds. And so if you've ever wanted to start. Being a horse jockey, you might want to start (laughs) losing some weight. Probably, at least I would, right? Think about someone that small, 5'2", 110 pounds, can control a massive, free-spirited animal. And he does it by a simple bit, bridle in his mouth. We can go on. Of course, James talks about the fact that massive ships are guided by small rudders. I didn't bother to look up how big a, a battleship is, how big a, a, a aircraft carrier might be. I heard that Carnival has a new cruise ship out that's bigger even than the Titanic was. I hope it doesn't meet the same fate, but um, you guys can go on it first and let us know how it works out for you, all right? But but again, they're, they're guided, James says, of course, by these Small little rudders. And of course, he, he's doing it to make this illustration, that he, to illustrate to bolster, I should say, the point that he makes in chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts great things. The tongue is a small member. We know the heart is about the size of our fists. The intestines, the organs, the intestines can be stretched out and can be several feet long if we were to take them out of our body, and yet, yet the tongue is a is a small thing. James says yet it boast boast of doing great things. Perhaps James had in mind our verse today from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter eighteen verse twenty one. These words are said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. My question is, my challenge for you today is to think, do you ever stop to think about the impact our words have? Words have on others. Do we realize the impact we make when we speak and in the manner in which we speak in? The challenge today is have you to consider the impact of the the words you are saying. For you to challenge yourself about whether or not you should fly off the handle and say what you do. For you to realize that you can be a, a great blessing in someone's life. And I just tell you this morning, you guys have been a great blessing just to to hear all that you are thankful for, to hear the gratitude that is in your life. It's it's a blessing. It's a reminder to me that I have so much to be thankful for. So everyone has spoke up, and for those of you who thought you were going to get struck by lightning or die if you were to dare to speak this morning... (laughs) Don't worry, I get nervous doing whatever you do and you're comfortable with. But your words were a great blessing. Now, Before we go any further, I I probably should point out that we are not a church, we are not a people that believe that through our words, we can make supernatural things happen. I don't want to say that in the right way or whatever. I'm trying to say, hopefully you'll get my point across. If you've, get a cancer diagnosis If the doctor says yes you've got an illness in your life you you can't just walk around and say i'm cancer free and the cancer will just go away probably the better thing to do is to accept it say lord i believe you're a healer come to the elders of the church like james tells us again and and begin the process of praying for god to to work in your life. You can't just walk around with no money and say, I'm rich. I'm rich. Trust me, I try it every day and it doesn't work. No, you, 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 if you want to be rich, probably the best place to do is to cut up your credit cards and go to work and get a job. It's usually the best way to do it, to pay your tithes and Probably I will tell you that if you'll stop giving money to those charlatans on TV or the internet, they're telling you that if you just say something long enough, you'll be rich. And by the way, give to them. You probably will be a lot richer. Because that's how they're becoming rich, is by taking your money. And so we don't necessarily walk around and say, I have this mantra, this this thing, and I'm just going to say it long enough, and it's going to become true. But it is true that our words... Our speech have a tremendous impact on our lives. Not only our lives, but those we interact with. And so what are we saying? What are we saying? Well, let's look at this proverb this morning and let's use the, the two natural points to make our sermon outline today. First of all, the destructive nature, destructive nature of our speech. By the way, with everything else going on this morning, for some reason, the slides that I put on the computer decide to load in the wrong order. So, so uh, they're not falling asleep back there in the back, in case you're wondering. Um, I don't think so, anyways. Kevin will wave at you if you turn around and look at him. But uh, here we are. But, but let's look, first of all, at this, this destructive nature of our speech. Maybe, maybe you're a fan of illegal drama, courtroom or whatever my guilty pleasure of watching old time western movies I've seen it more than once where the old time judge looks at a defendant the defendant is guilty of murder and he looks at him and says the jury has found you guilty therefore I sentence you to hang by the neck until dead now if the show is any good this scene is not portrayed like some scene at the DMV, right, where the agent looks at you and he's like, next. Let me see your old driver's license. Okay, where's your documents? Okay. Here's the stamp. Go on, next. Looks like the poor agent's about to fall asleep. No, the show has dramatic music to it. The judge says it with all the solemnity that he can muster. There's great affect in his words. Sometimes they'll cut to commercial break or they'll fade to black or whatever. The the point is, the the reason that they're doing that, of course, is that they're trying to bring out the gravitas of these words. You are sentenced to death. And you think about that. Death and life are in the power, the power of the tongue. Now, as far as I know, nobody here is, A judge has the the ability to pronounce those words, but consider how so many times our words are destructive in their nature. Consider, first of all, the damage we do to our own lives. Look at Proverbs 14, verse 23. Solomon says there, he says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk. Mere talk tends only to poverty. What is he teaching us? He's teaching us the value of hard work, the value of discipline, the value of getting up and and putting your nose to the grindstone or or whatever you say and making something come about that creates and, and adds a benefit to society and to ourselves. That's a good thing. And hard work is not... Something to shy away from. I think Ronald Reagan was the one who said, you know, they say hard work never killed anybody, but I say, why take the chance? But that's not the way it is. And I know, obviously, he's saying then, Jess, what about, there's nothing wrong with good hard work, but what about those who merely talk about it? Those who always intend to do something someday, somehow, sometime, they are going to do. Always mention her one-day experience. Again, I'm reminded of as many times where Jethro on the Beverly Hillbillies flubs his encounter with a nice, beautiful Hollywood girl, and Uncle Jed looks at him and says, shakes his head, and says, One day I gotta have a long talk with that boy. It's the way a lot of us are. One day I gotta I gotta do something. What about those? people who always talk about doing something one day a person mentions one day i got to get a job and well, i can't go today it's cold i can't go today it's rainy i can't go today i and what about the person who says oh i want to i want a better marriage i don't understand why my spouse feels so separate from me and and one day i gotta i gotta sit down and work on this and Here we are celebrating another anniversary and nothing is done. I'm not talking about the Andrews this morning, I hope. (laughs) We always talk about what we are going to do. One day, one day, I got to get closer to God. And one day, and yet this Sunday, it's rainy. And next Sunday, the the fish are biting. And the the next Sunday, my store is having a sale and... I got up late this morning and I couldn't read my Bible and traffic was heavy and I couldn't make it home early. Again, these aren't even necessarily destructive words. They're just words that are spoken that become destructive because of our lack of action. And yes, I admit freely I have things in my home that i got to do one day and here we are year after year. But if you're one of those people who talks about doing more than just landscaping your yard, but you're talking about things that are having a degrading impact, it's time to stop talking, start doing. and we'll move on here, Proverbs 10 verse 19. "When words are many transgression, transgression is not lacking. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The point is it's pretty easy to understand, isn't it?
1: Never gossip. Gossip
0: is a sin. Of course. Of course you want You just met for dinner one night. You just shared what's on your heart, and that person. That person shares a little bit more. Next thing we know, bitter and angry words are being spoken. You've probably done it with your own spouse. They say one thing and then you have to say another and then they have to say one more thing to top off what you said and then you have to say one more thing and they always have to get a last word and the next thing you know, you're saying things that cause real and lasting damage in your marriage, in your relationship. It's all because you failed to restrain your lips as Proverbs says. Why is it that you always have to add your two cents? Why is it that you always have to get the last word? Why is it that you always have to prove that you are right and you know best? You don't realize the damage that you're having. Proverbs 16, verse 27, a worthless man plots evil. His speech is like a scorching fire. Fire is good, fire is beneficial, fire does a, a lot of great things, but, but if there's evil in your heart and it comes out through your words, that fire is going to do far more damage. Proverbs eighteen verse six a fool's lip walks a fool's lips walk into a fight. His mouth invites a beating. Some people had it coming to them. We always say that, and it's usually because they would not be quiet. They poke that tiger. They poke the bear, whatever you're trying to say. And because of their words, they get what's coming to them. Proverbs 25, verse 23. The north wind brings forth rain. Backbiting tongue brings angry looks. Again, the speech you gave to others, I don't understand why they don't like me. Maybe you should consider what you keep saying to them. Do you see in these verses the repeated damage we do to ourselves, to others? We speak words that are not beneficial, words that are not helpful. And again, it's not just ourselves, the adulteress. In Proverbs chapter 7, how does she lure the innocent young man? How does she do it? Proverbs 7 verse 21 says, With much seductive speech she persuades him. With her smooth talk she compels him. I mean, she never sits there and says, hey, you ought to come and spend the night with me. It would be great. You will ruin your life. You will ruin your marriage. Your wife will leave you, all this other stuff. No, she says, no one will ever know. Let's take our fill. And look at what verse 22 says. All at once he follows her. He follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter where a stag, a deer, is caught fast. Follow the smooth, tempting words of the adulterous woman. Solomon says it's just like you're going to the slaughterhouse. You take that poor cow and you walk him into that barn and he doesn't know any better than a few minutes he's going to be tomorrow's dinner. That's the way it is. The words that she uses on this man, it's not just her. Proverbs 11, verse 9, with his mouth. With his mouth, a godless man would destroy his neighbor. With your mouth, you can sever the relationship between you and your neighbor simply by saying things to him. Proverbs 26, verse 28. The lying tongue hates its victims. The lying tongue hates its victims. Well, doesn't matter. Nobody knows. It's just a little white lie. But, but Proverbs is telling us that, that when you're sitting there perpetually lying, you're doing it out of hatred in your heart. The doctor doesn't hate you because he tells you you need to change your lifestyle. You need to get yourself in good shape and good health. The doctor hates you, he says, "Oh, you can live the way you are. Don't worry about it." So it is when we are dishonest, it comes not out of a sense of love and kindness, rather out of a sense of hatred. All of these verses point to the fact that our words can cause tremendous damage. Not only to ourselves, but our loved ones, our friends, our church family. I found this story by a lady named Marian Stroud in Our Daily Bread very helpful. She wrote these words. She said, my daughter had a a lot of ill health recently. Her husband has been wonderfully caring and supportive. I said to her, you have a real treasure there. Marion's daughter looked at her, said these words. You didn't think that when I first knew him, she said with a grin. She was quite right. When Silda and Philip got engaged, I was concerned. They were such different personalities. We have a large and noisy family, and Philip is more reserved. And I had shared my misgivings with my daughter quite bluntly. I was horrified to realize that the critical things I said so casually 15 years ago have stayed in her memory and could possibly have destroyed a relationship that has proved to be so right and happy. Reminded me how much we need to guard what we say to others. So many of us are quick to point out what we consider to be weaknesses in family, friends, or work colleagues focus on their mistakes rather than their successes. She says, the tongue is a small part of the body, quoting James 3, 5. Yet the words and shapes can either destroy relationships or bring peace and harmony to a situation, the workplace, the church, or the family. My guess is if we were to open up the floor It wouldn't just be you giving thanks. We could probably all stand up and remind, say things that have stuck with us, things that have carried on in our lives from when we were young, when we were small, whether a parent or a teacher, somebody at church. We we probably remember things. And like this story, most of us have, have probably gotten over it, but my guess is, guess is there's probably a few that still carry the sting from those words. You see, our words, our speech can be very, very destructive. But let's not just look at that side. Let's look, secondly, at the life-giving nature. The life-giving nature. Yes, death is in the power of the tongue. The tongue can bring death for sure, but it can also also bring life. It's not just here in Proverbs 18, but also Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 11, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Instead of looking for the eternal fountain of youth, instead of being Ponce de Leon or whatever, searching the... Florida coast for that eternal fountain of youth. Maybe we as a church could could focus on being a fountain of life to a world that is in desperate need of life. Desperate need of something that can nourish our souls. Proverbs 10, verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice. Silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. It's like a valuable piece of silver that you want to hold on to when somebody gives you words that, that just make and bless and encourage your life. Right, verse 20, verse 15, there's gold and an abundance of costly stones. But the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Yeah, you can go down to the mall and you can see an abundance of Jewelry stores, there's plenty of diamonds. Plenty of gold rings and gold earrings. What about a person who's speaking with lips of knowledge here at that mall? What about somebody who has life to offer you? How many of these stores has someone in it that can speak to you and give life and knowledge to you? That's the rare Jewel. That's the jewel that you want to hang on to. Do you see the the premium the writer of Proverbs is putting on good, godly, life-giving speech? Far from dismissing it or being flippant, he is recognizing the value, the value of our words and how they can edify and lift us up, lift up another. How does this happen? Well, Proverbs... 10, verse 31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. A perverse tongue will be cut off. How many of us need wisdom in our lives? And and who do we want to go to? Do we we really want to go to someone who's going to talk about us and who's going to backbite against us, who's going to gossip about us to somebody else? Or do we want to speak to a righteous person that can speak into our lives? Share words of wisdom. Honey, I know you're having problems with those children. Let me tell you what I did. You go home and you realize, wow, that works. A kid is not as hard-headed as their sp- as my sp- the other parent is. Of course, it'd never be you. It'd be the other parent, right? Someone who can speak to us and bring wisdom to us is such a great thing in our lives, and we need people that can speak that wisdom to us. Proverbs 12, verse 25 tells us anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. A good word makes him glad. I heard a story and I don't know if I can find it or look it up or how true it is. The story was Eddie Murphy, the comedian, man who walked around and made people laugh for a living, walked into the elevator, one of these posh Las Vegas hotels or whatever, and someone did something that was in the elevator messed up, shouldn't have done something or, you know, just being careless, goofy, whatever, clumsy. And the story was said that Eddie Murphy laughed so hard. And he got off that elevator and he said, this is the first time I have laughed in such a long time. There's something about it when a good word comes. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you've felt it this morning. Maybe you, you came in and you, you just felt the crushing weight of life and someone. Someone stood up and said, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for this. And now you feel a lot better. You feel that weight is being lifted. Many are the times we fell downcast until someone brings a good word. Of course, one we're all familiar with, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer can turn away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. Words spoken properly in good season have the potential to do so much good. A word spoken in haste and anger and out of selfish motives are words that wind up doing the most damage. And someone once said, one kind word can change someone's entire day. And I dare say we could probably expand that into week, month, year, life. One kind word can change someone's entire life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, so because I just can't finish on two points because my preaching professor in college would roll over in his grave. Let's finish with the third point here. That is this wisdom. Wisdom on watching our words. So what do we do? What do we do? We know we need to say, we know we need to say words that are life giving and words that are affirming and words that help. What do we do about it? How do we we get there? First of all, we need to understand that God hates. God hates. He despises false lying words. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And so you need to understand rightly Again, lying is not just a way for you to cover up your mistakes. It's something that God detests. And entertaining and listening to lying words are things that God absolutely finds abominable. God hates it. So that needs to be your starting point. Understand that you want to live a way that God would be pleased with you, and you want to live a life that God wants you to do. It means you need to put away. Paul, Paul talks about that in Ephesians. Put away falsehood, put away lying. Be determined. It's amazing if you watch what's going on and how guys like Jordan Peterson are are trying to speak to young men. One of Jordan Peterson's, he's not a Christian by a long stretch, but one of his rules of advice to young men is, is to start telling the truth. Start telling the truth. He's concerned and cares about the plight of young men in our society. And one of the ways he says you can better your life is to stop lying or at least start telling the truth. That's where you need to start. Understand God despises things that are false. So as Paul says in Philippians 4, whatsoever are true, could report. Live this way, do this way. Secondly, Proverbs 17, verse 4, an evildoer listens, listens to wicked lips, Liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. You need not only start in your own life, but you also need to watch what's coming into your life. You need to watch what's coming into your life. There might be somebody in your life that you need to cut off because you know. You know that their intents and thoughts towards you are evil. If they're not speaking truth and life to you, you probably need to get away from them. Why? Because they're going to lead you to evil on your own. Finally, and I'll just say it this way: and all you kids, don't say this, all right? But you probably need to shut up. Okay. You probably need to watch. Just, just be quiet. Again, we've already quoted it in a multitude of words, there's there's transgression, but look at Proverbs 17 verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. What would happen if we would just stop and listen? Say, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? And this is why I have such disdain. You watch like these cable news shows and they're always debating because nobody wants to shut up and listen to each other. Oh, this is what's going on now this oh, no. It's like how can you watch that more than five minutes without pulling your ears off, pulling your eyeballs out, whatever. Maybe we'd learn a lot more, you know, and, even, and it's not just there. I watch these congressional hearings sometimes, and people get up there, and they'd start rattling off, and then they ask the person that's going before the hearing, what do you say about this? And as soon as, you know, a guy's like clearing his throat and said, well, and the person's like, Uh oh, you know, and he starts in again. I'm like, why don't you shut up and let him answer the question?" We need to learn to speak a lot less. Again, as your teacher said in school, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason so that you can listen twice as much as you speak, right? Finally, how does this this happen? Ultimately, it's going to come through a renewed heart. Jesus looked at the Pharisees pointed his finger at them, and he said, you're a brood of vipers, Matthew 12. How can you speak good when you're evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The in your heart is going to come out through your lips. Matters to you. I was listening to a podcast, a guy, a British guy, was interviewing a, a college professor, a Bible theology teacher, I should say. He said, Tell me everything we need to know about you in 60 seconds. And I said, Well, I teach at this seminary and I wrote this book, and my husband and father, whatever. And then he's trying to figure out what else to say. He didn't know if it's been 60 seconds or not because he Interviewer wasn't saying anything, and so he then started rattling off the sports teams they he's like. And it's like, well, we can tell what, what matters to him. That's fine. You see, what's in our heart is eventually going to come out. We talked about that last week. Ultimately, the only thing is going to happen is when our hearts are renewed and changed because it will come out in our life we've known people that are obsessed not just with sports but money whatever it is maybe it's lust because you know you talk to them and like five seconds later they've got a dirty joke for you and so we ask how does our heart get renewed Proverbs 30 verse 5 and 6 says this every word of God proves true every word of God proves true he is a shield to those who take refuge in him Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. How is our heart renewed? It's renewed. As Paul says in Philippians 4, and we've already mentioned it briefly, but whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is of a good report, think on these things. You want to say words that give life. You want to say words that give hope. You want to say words that bring healing. It comes through the renewing of your mind. That happens as you get your mind and heart in the Word of God. Get your heart and mind in the Word of God. And so as I read to you like Psalm 148, and we sing that song, all creatures of our God and King based, of that particular psalm. It's a reminder to me when I go outside and I see the sun, moon, and stars. And Psalm 8 reminds us of that, that God is mindful of me, that He loves me, that He cares for me. Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare His glory, the skies of the Word proclaim the work of His hands. But then it also tells us that the power of the Word of God If you're here today and you're having a problem with the things you say, again, maybe I should challenge you turn off cable news shows that are driving you mad and angry and crazy. Turn off your, whatever it is that you're listening to that's filtering into your mind. Get your mind right here in the Word of God. Let Him renew you and change you. I go back to what I said at the beginning. We don't needlessly walk around and proclaim things about our lives that are not true, they are not based in reality. We have to have a total understanding of the Bible. Yes, God heals. And I believe that. And anytime you want prayer for healing, come on, we'll pray for you. We also realize, of course, that the Bible teaches that death comes to all of us. Suffering and sickness is a part of living in a fallen world The having bodies that are racked with pain reminds us and propels us to look forward to that day when the heavens and earth are renewed and we stand in an immortal resurrected body. Yes, I will pray for you that God will provide financial blessings in your life and it's great to hear that A couple of you are thankful that God has provided in a way. Financially, and you don't have to work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. God does that, but He also requires us to work, to save, to invest wisely. It's all a part of a whole understanding of what Scripture teaches. So again, we don't just run around and speak things into existence, but as our minds are renewed by the Word of God We live the way that God wants us to. We understand how God wants us to order our lives. And certainly things in Scripture where God shows us and reveals to us plainly, we hold on to. I understand that when we go through trials, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8 Understand when we're facing the point of death that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with us. Psalm 23. Understand. He spared not His only Son, but gave Him up for all of us. He will watch over our lives and graciously give us all things again. Romans 8. So I challenge you this morning. Is there someone in your life that you can speak life to today? Is there someone in your life instead of you talking to them and them feeling like want to pull their hair out having a conversation with you? You can talk to them and they can say, you know what? My life is made better by what you said to me. Is there someone here this morning, you can just go up to him and say, you know, I'm really glad to see you today. I'm really glad that you're here. And I'm glad for what God is doing in your life. Yeah, probably some of us, we'd have to pick ourselves up off the floor, right, if somebody said that to us. Okay, be there and help them pick pick them up. Let us be a church. People may come in and say, well, you know, it isn't the most comfortable pews. Well, you know, they don't have whatever, the smoke show and the LED lights. Let it be a church where people walk away and say, I have never met a bunch of people that love God and love each other and welcome being more than anywhere else. When a church has 10,000 people and they've got all this fancy stuff, they don't have near what this place has. Let this be a place where people come in and say, there's life here. There's life here. There's life here. Not where they walk away and say, man, I just... I feel like I lost five years of my life, I'll never get it back. Let us speak life. I mean, let's pray this morning, shall we?